Hello, Fred Meister here, bringing you episode 396 of my show on the mic, doing it Thursday, shorty style. In today's episode, I'm talking to you about the biggest benefit of having a small business. You do not know what I was going to say there, right? And maybe there's also going to be a drinking game involved in this, but this is not about flipping the script and trying to see the positive and silver lining and, oh, this business is so small. No, this is legitimate. We have a huge benefit. We have a massive leg up as it relates to having a small business. What is it? You're just going to have to tune into the full episode to find out. The first, hey, DJ, give me that heartbeat. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. What up, my podcast people? Happy Thursday. Let's get into it. Today, we are talking about the perils. Let's use that word. The perils of comparing your small business to the approach that the big businesses take. Whether you're comparing the approach, whether you're trying to implement the same approach, whether you're trying to learn from these big businesses, I think that it's honestly and mostly a mistake. I think that as small businesses, we have a ton of leverage. We have a ton of benefits that the big businesses, they just don't have, right? And namely, that's caring about our people. So the main thing that we're looking at here is that I I believe that the bigger businesses are more so focused. And when I say bigger business, I'm thinking about like meta, right? Instagram, Facebook, those businesses, TikTok, these big, 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 big businesses. You, whatever field you're in, you can like come up with your own. That's the same. And I'm sure that the same, the story is going to be the same, but we look at these bigger businesses and, you know, I did a whole episode about the Instagram's identity crisis and there's so many business lessons that we can take, that we can take away from it. And I think that the the big one is that with these bigger businesses, let's play a drinking game. How, how about that? Anytime I say big, you, you will drink, okay? Uh, but with these big businesses, drink up, the main difference is that I think that their focus is oftentimes on acquisition, whereas for our smaller businesses, I do believe that we have the benefit of leaning more into focusing on fulfillment and retention, now, I say this because we have different goals. Now, if you have a small business that has the goal of like becoming a big business, drink again, then, you know, maybe this episode ain't for you. But for the rest of us that are staying at these smaller businesses, and as long as you don't have like some major franchise, I, st- I still consider it small business. And I'm saying this also from having read finance books, and none of them are appropriate for the businesses that we run. I think the majority of you folks listening to this, it's you, you maybe have a small team, something like that. Maybe you run a clinic. That's awesome. I'm comparing this to these major, I should say it, big businesses that just are gigantic and they have profit margins of, if they have a profit margin of 15%, that's like 
incredible. Like, holy shit, this is the best business ever. Meanwhile, for us with online businesses, you could have a fucking profit margin of like 90% because we have no overhead. We don't have a lot of expenses for this business. So in reading, trying to read some of these business books and get my head wrapped around certain things, I learned that the majority of them are for, let's say it again, big businesses that have, you know, multi-million, hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue that they're generating. How much are they actually keeping? I have no idea. Not that much, less than 15%, right? Uh, but they have this massive, massive uh, revenue. Whereas for the rest of us, and for what I believe is the majority of people who listen to this podcast, we are in a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal place. And I think for the first time, I really, truly internalized Kevin Kelly's white paper. Um, what is it called? A Thousand True Fans. Courtney, if you could link that. We've linked that a few times, but let's link it again. Uh, I think for the first time, I really internalized it. And now, yes, there are also things that refute it. There's uh, papers out there and um, opinion pieces, because his piece is an opinion piece as well. But there's opinion pieces out there that refute it. And they're like, is it really enough people? A thousand people? Is that actually okay? And that's fine. The take-home, I think that they're fighting over dumb shit. But the take-home should be that you don't need a hundred thousand people. Like you can still have these relatively small numbers and have a successful business based on you know, how lean you want to keep your business and what is your enough. Shout out to my girl, uh, Laura Jean, for endless discussions about that. But with something like Instagram, their goal and their enough is like the metaverse, right? Like they're, they're like never satisfied. They always want more. And they're always trying to maintain this, this what is it, market share. And they're trying to become this colossal super app and be everything for all people. They are focused on acquisition. I don't think they give a fuck that we are unhappy and that older users, yes, we are older users, folks, are leaving the platform. Because they're like, there's so many more people that we can get. All right, have you all heard that song? There's a hole in my bucket. I remember singing that song in like elementary school. And if there's a hole in your bucket, as long as the hole's really small, it's okay. It's not okay, but it can be okay, and you can still use it if you have enough water coming in. But you got a big ass, if the whole bottom of the bucket is, is a hole, then all the goes straight through. For these huge companies, for these big companies, right, the hole in the bucket is small, and they're just focused on how wide they can turn that faucet and just pound water in there, right? Getting all these new, I don't even know, whatever generation, gen, whatever it is, and get them on the app, right? They're focused on acquisition. They're not so concerned with retention. They don't really seem concerned with fulfillment that would support the retention of kind of the OG users. As a smaller business, we can do that. And I think we get so caught up in launch cycles and growth and acquisition, we forget that and we overlook that. Now, as soon as I say that, I am also thinking about like mom and pop shops and the viability of this. Now, I said this in the uh, what it was the episode about the uh, Instagram's identity crisis that we do have to change and evolve and grow in some capacity, right? So, if we're thinking about certain things that just get left in the dust, and maybe it's because they're like, "Well, we don't take credit cards," and it's like, "Well, you're not going to take any money then because I don't have any cash for you." So, there are certain things that we need to pivot and adjust and evolve with in order to 
focus on the fulfillment side, right? So it's not that we're, you know, throwing all of our values to the wind there. No, we're literally focused on retention and fulfillment because people are, you know, starting to expect different things. They're wanting more convenience. And so what can we do to keep those people as long as, and I'm really thinking about Sean Pastuch now as I say this, as long as it's within what you want, your goals, your vision for this thing, right? We don't just do things just to keep people because we're scared to lose them and it's going completely away from our, our visions and our value, our vision and our value. But if this thing that we're running, this is my vision, it's in fully aligned with my values, we want to keep the people there that agree with that. And so we're going to listen to them and we're going to double down on fulfillment and we're going to double down on retention. And we can do that as smaller businesses. We can afford to care. That's what it comes down to. We can afford to care about the individual user. We can afford to do t things that don't scale. Spending time on people, spending time with people, it doesn't scale. I actually had a whole talk planned out about this uh, when I first pitched to speak at ConvertKit. And I wanted to speak about doing things that don't scale and the value of that and how that can absolutely future-proof your business. This is, you know, every episode that I've done with James Olivia or about James Olivia and the relating skills, right? All work gets done through relating. So when we take the time to do these things and relate with other humans, we get massive work done and you can absolutely future-proof your business. When you take the time and you listen to your people and you show up for your people and you get them the best results, it may not scale, but... I firmly believe for my goals, it doesn't need to. I really am fully internalizing that, you know, Kevin Kelly's paper of a thousand loyal fans, or a thousand, I don't like the word loyal, a thousand true fans. I actually just had a discussion in the DMs, like right before I hopped on to record this episode with a, with a, a good friend of mine, good Insta homie, good mafioso, just he's been in the ecosystem for a long time. And it's been really, really fun to watch him grow and evolve and, he was like, hey, I'm, I'm having the opposite problem than a lot of people. Like, I actually want to post on Instagram and I don't have the time. I am getting all of these one-on-one -on -one clients. I don't know where they're coming from. And I was like, my dude, they're coming from the work that you put in two years ago. They're put, coming from the work that you put in last year. Because this guy, he really puts his heart and soul into his work and into his people. And looking at that fulfillment piece and that retention piece, not just that acquisition I did a whole, you know, email series. I don't know how many, maybe one email, two emails. I don't know. Uh, with my girl Rachel, and her fig tree, fig plant. I don't even know what the fuck it is. The fig plant, and then she had this thing. She'd been watering it and taking care of it, and inside, outside, and it fell over, and all these things for like two years. And then there was a fig. All right, that that's that's the whole story. <laughs> I was gonna say because the fig actually fell over, and it was like. I don't know, it was like dirty or whatever, but the, the, the good part of the story it ended is two years of work and then there's the fruit of your labors. And that's oftentimes what happens when you do these things that don't scale, when you invest in people, when you focus on retention, when you focus on fulfillment. You can have incredibly long sales cycles. So from the retention piece, you already have the sale, right? It's already been made and you're keeping those people in. From the acquisition side of this, because we're not directly focused on acquisition, that sales cycle can be incredibly long, meaning people come into the ecosystem and maybe they don't buy for a long time. 
Right? It, it could be a year. It could be two years. In general, it takes people a long time to buy because we're in the business of trust, which is why I feel like it's going to take a long time anyway. You might as well focus on the people that are buying in, the people that are there, because they're going to go and tell their people, and that's actually probably the only thing that's going to expedite that sales pro- that sales cycle, that sales process, is that they're going to tell their friends, and when people trust or they get information from people who they trust, they are way more likely to take action and take action much faster than when they hear it from the main source. They're like, I don't really know you, though. How do I know that this thing is good? Meanwhile, their best friend Susie says, this thing is the best thing ever. And they're like, please send me two. This is how it works. So I truly believe that this approach that we have as small businesses, it's one of the best things that we can do to future-proof ourselves. We have the ability to focus on fulfillment and retention. Now, this does require, and this is my whole shtick, this does require that we remove urgency initially. And typically that's in the form of money, like financial urgency. So maybe you have to get another job. Maybe you have to substitute teach or substitute coach or, you know, do other things. You have to do concierge PT or uh, concierge, home health PT to supplement your income. Do it. I say it all the time, all right? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do so that Later, you can do what you want to do. Doing things that remove urgency are magic. And so many times that urgency comes around money, right? So doing things that will provide you with that financial security, financial stability, so that you're not making decisions from urgency is incredible. And that allows you to lean into what we as small businesses have as, a, as our superpower that we can focus and we should focus on, and I said, I said should, I did, I said it should focus on fulfillment and retention. Now, I don't know if I wrote, I think it was, I did an episode about this, embracing seasonality. Um, obviously, we did episodes about seasonality in general and had Emily Reed on, and then I did, I did do an episode about seasonality, and I shouted out my girl, Andrea, and once again, Emily. Uh, Courtney, if you want to link that episode, two episodes to link, the one that I did and the one with Emily, thank you. But one thing to think about as well, because... In a business, part of, part of having a business is turning a profit. Otherwise, it's just a hobby. But part of a business is there is a season and there are times where we maybe are more, more focused on acquisition or growing of the business. And there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm trying to lay out here is that I believe that these big businesses, it's been a minute since you had a drink, right? These big businesses, there's another one. They're seemingly only focused on acquisition and they're always in that phase of things, right? They're reporting their earnings, they're reporting their growth. I listened to that pot to this podcast, uh, The Daily Hustle. I think it's called The Daily Hustle Podcast. It's like every episode's like 10 minutes or less. And I also get this, these like emails from, I don't know, SoFi and some other other thing. I don't know, some money things. And all these there's always talking about income reporting or earnings, earnings reportings. And it's just like, damn, like that's a lot of pressure. Like you can't have a down month you can't have a down quarter because then they're like netflix is closing and all this other shit and you know netflix is doing a whole bunch of wild shit and gonna introduce new tiers and things like that but there's always such a push to grow it's grow 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 there is no enough for these big businesses for small businesses you can learn what your enough is you can decide what your enough is and then you can realize like hey actually i'm good I'm good here focusing on fulfilling and retention. And yes, there will be some churn, meaning people will leave. They'll outgrow it. They want something else. They move away, whatever. But the cool part is that I believe when you focused on the fulfillment, when you focused on retention, those people that do say, and even those people that, that leave, 
right? especially as long as they leave on good terms, they will tell other people who will come and become customers. What I was going to say about seasonality is that, yes, there are periods of growth within business. Uh, and I, I don't want to say there need to be, but we, ha we do need to offset churn. Now, like I was just saying before, I think oftentimes this can become very stable. And I've seen it with my own businesses. I've seen my own business uh, and the mafia, kind of the membership stays. Anyone else that runs a membership and kind of has this model, people in and out, I see it. Uh, people that run the same program over and over again, people who I coach, the numbers kind of stay the same over time. It's like, all right, this is, this is like where my settling point has, has, go has, has gone to. If you've established that you're enough, that's your enough, like, you're fucking good. And I know that there's a whole bunch of psychology that's going to be needed and a whole bunch of processing that's going to be needed because, you know, it's programmed and, you know, capitalism, whatever we want to get angry about. Okay. But once you've worked through that and you realize, like, actually, I'm good and I'm going to take a break and I'm not going to work right now. Like, I could make more money, but that would require me to do more work. And also, I don't want to. I want to go play volleyball. And this is the seasons that I had outlined in that episode of the expand season, experience season, or pivot season. I think that really, with everything in life, whether it's business or like life life, you can categorize where you're at into one of these three phases. Right? You're in, a, in an expansion season where you're like, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want the business to get bigger, I want to, you know, customer acquisition. There's nothing wrong with focusing on acquisition. There's nothing at all wrong with it. Nothing. Again, my whole shtick with this episode is that I think big, there it is, businesses only focus on that. If we have to choose, I would rather people focus on retention and fulfillment. If we don't have to choose, which we don't, right, it's both and, I would still rather the scales be leaning towards the fulfillment and retention side of things. But as it relates to the seasonality, we have that expansion season, that experience season, that pivot season. So we may be in a season of like a ton of growth and cool new business opportunities. And I want to learn this. I'm going to learn this for my business and bring this part of my business. I'm going to hire this person. We're going to grow. I'm going to be able to accommodate more people. I'm going to be able to help more people. Amazing. And then you'll find yourself in a time when you're like, I just want to chill. I've done a lot and I just want to sit with it and experience it. And during those times, it can really be doubling down on fulfillment and retention. Like, I just want to be doing this thing right here. That's it. I got my people. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to keep it right as it is. And then we have that third season, which is a pivot. And this is when people kind of change careers or, like, get divorced or they have, like, you know, big life changes that they're like, I'm going in a different direction COVID, I think, was a pivot for a lot of people, right? It, it forced a pause and people are like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. I'm changing things. And then from there, they oftentimes went into the expand period. And then from there, perhaps you go into the experience season. How long these things last? Obviously, it's going to be individually dependent. But the whole concept, the whole point of this episode was to, is to highlight what I think that we as smaller businesses have as a superpower, which is we have the time and the ability to focus on fulfillment and retention. For those businesses that feel like they can't do it, that's a really tough place to be in when you're always scrapping for new people, always looking, always, always looking. It's not, it doesn't smell good, right? The people that are there are like, they will end up at us. It's not a good look. So this again ties into removing urgency. And as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm largely thinking like from an example of like starting a CrossFit box. I, I'm thinking about this because it's a CrossFit Games right now. 
And Lord, I haven't done CrossFit in years, but God bless CrossFit. I fucking love it. I loved it. And I watch the games every year. And I'm, I'm watching it and thinking about people who open boxes. And I've had Forrest actually on. You can listen to that episode. It's a great episode. Uh, Courtney, if you want to link that, thank you. Uh, you know, he's opened CrossFit boxes. And we talked about would you open another one. And one of the things that I see is that people are not good business owners in terms of when you're going to start a business, we have to, one, start with some sort of capital and some sort of money. Ideally, if you can do it without borrowing, that would be amazing. Uh, and two, you got to do some basic math. Like if you're going to open a box and the overhead is $12,000 a month, $15,000 a month, that's probably not a good idea. It's probably not the best idea. Especially if you're like, I'm opening up that box right now, 2022. We're just like, we're coming out of COVID. There's a recession. And also like CrossFit isn't what it was. It's not the glory days of CrossFit. So if you're just doing simple math of like, hey, this is my overhead. This is how many members I would need to even turn a profit. And not like a $1 profit. This is like including like I'm going to pay myself and I'm going to have employees. I'm going to pay them. These are numbers that you can run. And if you're like, this math doesn't check out, don't do it. Don't do it. I hate to be the one that's squashing people's goals, but when they go after these things, then suddenly they all that they can focus on is acquisition. That's it. Acquisition, acquisition, acquisition. That's a terrible place to be in. It's terrible. You're just always grinding. So much urgency. It just feels bad. I'm sure that you listening to this right now as I'm saying it, you're like, ugh, it just doesn't feel good. So in the beginning, if you have mapped this out, you're doing good math and you're like, all right, I can handle this. Yes, you're going to be in a bit of an acquisition phase, but, right, let's say you open up a PT clinic. You're going to be in an acquisition phase for sure. But this is very much a both-and phase of anyone who does come in, you know you have to just fulfill the shit out of those, those services and those sessions and really be focused on the fulfillment portion and be, really be focused on the retention portion because those people are the ones that are going to spread your message farther and faster than you ever could. So yes, there is the both end, especially when you're in that expand phase, you're in that expand season, but we're still focusing, we still have some focus on fulfillment and retention. That is how you are going to build your business. That is how you are going to future-proof your business. That is how you're going to pandemic-proof your business. All right, Rupert literally just jumped onto my lap. You can't see him, but he's here, which means that it's time for me to end this episode. I had a blast with this one and I'm always grateful that you folks listen to this and I'm, I'm grateful that this podcast exists because I get to talk things out and you know puzzle things out and be like, ah, this is actually how I want to say it. I, I do outlines for the episodes, but also I'm just speaking as I go through and sometimes things come out and I'm like, yes, that is what I wanted to say. So all of you out there, thank you for giving me the space to say the things that I want to say. All right, Rupert's looking at me. It is time to go. As always, endlessly appreciative for every single one of you. Until next time, friends, maestro. Maestro.